Hey, welcome to Highlight Church. Let's give it up for Lance, our superstar bass player. Big Lance. It's all good when Lance is in the house. Y'all know the devil attacked our guitar this morning, so the pianos, the keys, and the bass had to bring it. Thank you all for being with us. Uh, welcome to Baptism Sunday. Is anyone excited? Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to be in the book of uh, Acts, Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bible. If you don't, uh, we have two big Bibles here on the screen. You should be okay. But if you have a Bible, you are, in fact, holier than the person next to you who doesn't. So, uh, yeah, you are holier. All the non-believers just <laughs> muted me out just there. I just totally... Uh, divided my entire crowd. But no, you're welcome here at Highlight Church, whether you have a Bible or not. You don't have to believe to belong. No, you got to believe to make it to heaven, but you don't got to believe to, to come here and to attend Highlight. So we, we welcome you. We thank God for you. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. Um, anyone, show of hands, anyone, children, small children right now, I would say five and under, Okay, sounds good. Um, five and under. Uh, nieces, nephews, young ones. Yeah, cool. Great nieces and nephews. Like they're older than you. Not great in the quality of the person that they are, but they're older than you. Wow, I'm the only one here. Man, my dad's 80 years old. I have nieces and nephews that are older than me, so I got great, great nieces and nephews. But hey, isn't that first step so amazing? Like when a baby is, is, they're crawling, and eventually they, they get up, they stand on their feet, and, and they, they take that first step, and then they, they fall. It's always an amazing thing to see that baby take that first step or that, that, that next step. Um, and, and eventually, after they take that first step, you want them to start running. Uh, it's kind of like when, when, when they can't speak, you want them to start speaking. And then when they do begin to speak, you want them to shut up. Yes, I just said shut up. I know that this is church, but you want them to zip their lips. Um, first steps are so important. So a baby goes from their first steps, then they proceed to many steps, and then they run. And then you have things like uh, diapers, and then they go from diapers to potty trained. And so we're in that transition now with our two-and-a-half-year-old uh, Judah. He is in that transition to being potty trained. Um, then they go from having to be fed to self-feeding themselves. Uh, you have liquids, and then eventually they go to solids. These are, these are steps. They, they take that first step, then that, that, there's that next step. Um, then they go from pre-K to K with the hopes of that they will make it to the 12th grade and get a diploma. Um, then they go from being a 12th grader, uh, maybe college, maybe not, but Hopefully, uh, they grow up to become adults. If you're a man, hopefully you're out of your mom's basement by the time you're 45 these days, and you're not stuck on video games. Um, but there, there are steps, right? right? There, there are steps. I know a few people right now, they're in between jobs, so they just apply for a job. Next thing that they, they may get is a phone call. I don't have to run you through this, but I'm going to because I'm building my case for something later on. Uh, your jo the, the job gives you a phone call. You show up for the interview. Prayerfully, you get the job. Then you show up for orientation. The next step is to show up for your schedule. Then you expect your first paycheck about three weeks later. There are steps. There are steps. But how many know that the first step isn't the only step? The first step is just, just that. It's the, first, it's the first step. But many steps should, should follow. And what I want to talk about today during uh, Baptism Sunday is the next step. I want to talk about the next step. Hey, does anyone like my shirt? Is my shirt pretty awesome? Pretty awesome. Chuck McMillan, everybody, right there in the middle. Yeah, you can get one of these for $55 plus tax outside the door. All uh, funds go to the Reading Children's Needs, Inc., Sorry, I want to talk about the next step, so join me in Acts chapter 8. 
verse 26. Well, before we get into it, let me give you some context. I think that that would be good. I plan to preach a short clock today because we do have baptisms outside. Anyone getting baptized today? Show of hands. Let's give it up. We are stoked. <laughs> oh, praise God. There it is. Light it up. I'm going to like her today because my home, my home crowd is like this all the time. Pastor, are you finished? All right. Um, that's my amen corner over there. All right. All right. Cool. So Acts 8, 26. She just actually made me a little nervous. Um, where am I at? Mouth all dry. So there you go. Uh, uh, slow down now, Marcus. Let me, let me get back in it, okay? No, I'm fine. All right. So anyway. So yeah, Acts. The book of Acts is uh, about Jesus' disciples. Um, disciples are followers or students. They became apostles. The word apostle means sent one or ambassador. So eventually in, in your walk with Christ, you have to go from someone that's saved, someone that's just a follower. You have to transition from following God to actually going and reaching people for the glory of God. Um, God never saved you with the intent for you to keep, thank you, uh, Thanks, child. I'm, I'm good, but thank you. I appreciate that. That's a servant's heart. God never uh, saved you with the intent for you to keep your faith private. He, he, he always intended for you to share your faith in all that you do. You know, God, Jesus is not just like, you know, my family, my job, and Jesus. It's Jesus in my family, Jesus in my job, Jesus in my career. Jesus is all in all. He's He's pervasive is what the word calls it. This is what the word is. He's, he's pervasive. And so the book of Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles. After Christ uh, went to heaven, he sent the, whole, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. If you read Acts chapter 2, uh, where the, the disciples are the, well, they're disciples. When they get filled, they'll become apostles. The disciples there, they're praying. It's about 120 of them, men and women, they're praying and, and, and Jesus has already ascended into heaven, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes. And the Bible says they're like tongues of fire. Um, fire lands on them or ends up in their hearts, and they begin to speak foreign tongues. These are all Jewish people. So there may have been a Jew from, from Greece. There may have been a Jew from Israel. Uh, this, the, the Jew from Greece is speaking Hebrew. The Jew from, from uh, Israel is speaking uh, uh, Greek. And it's like, man, I know you don't speak Greek, but what are you doing speaking Greek? I know you don't speak Hebrew. What are you doing speaking Hebrew? And God was just manifesting. He was affirming the fact that he had just sent the Holy Spirit. And so what you have today, unfortunately, is you have some churches that have said, unless you, when you give your heart to Christ, unless you speak in tongues, you're not truly saved. That is not biblical. It's out of context. That's how cults are started. Um, um, and, and what we tend to do as humans is we tend to deify gifts. Like we worship gifts instead of worshiping the God who's given us the gift. And it causes us to take things out of context. And therefore, you have an entire generation now that's, in a sense, totally displaced from God, purely because of a lot of bad teaching and heresy. But... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna address some of that here in a minute. The next step is what I want to talk about. Acts chapter 8, 26. Philip is one of your favorite disciples. You have to read about him. He doesn't get a lot of play like James, Peter, and John, but read about Philip. Philip was always getting outside of his comfort zone to bring people to the Lord. Are you getting outside of your comfort zone to bring people to Jesus? Or is it all about you 24-7, 365? Is it all about you? Verse 26 says this. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. This was a powerful man. The word here is a eunuch of great authority under Candic or Candace in some translations, the queen of Ethiopia. So eunuch, he had... He had dedicated his life to serving the queen. He was a treasurer. Uh, this would have meant, meant that he wasn't married. He didn't have any children. He was specifically 
call to serve the queen in this capacity. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he was practicing Judaism, which is interesting. He wasn't a Jew, but he was practicing the Jewish faith. And it goes on to say here, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, I love it because he's filled now. Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So you have a Jewish believer who's African. And he says, go ahead. A Jesus follower says, go ahead and walk along that carriage because I have a plan for that man's life. I have a plan for that man's life. Do you know that Ethiopia is the first, was the first uh, Christian uh, African nation in the history of, of Christianity? I wonder if Philip had something to do with this, this, uh, this particular transformation. So he goes on to say here, uh, verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that, had been, that he had been reading was this. He was led like a, sl- a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So is Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? And he goes on to say this. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So I don't have time to deal with Isaiah today, just uh, probably the most powerful prophet in the New Testament aside from Moses. We don't have time to deal with him today. But what I will say is that the first step, we're talking about the next step, but the first step is faith. That's point number one today. The first step is faith. The first step is faith. I remember as a little boy growing up, I always wanted to see Michael Jordan play live. Uh, Chicago Bulls play live. Uh, I don't know if you're a basketball fan. Just entertain me here for a minute. Come on now. There it is. (laughs) Always wanted to see him play live. But uh, number one, I didn't have the money. And number two, my parents never really cared enough to take me to a game whenever they came to Orlando. And it was twice a year. It was twice a year. But I had a a brother, an older brother, um, who was a ball boy for the Orlando Magic. And uh, he was so lucky to get this job. And I think I was uh, eight years old. Michael had just came back. He was wearing 45. He had a little extra weight on him. He had lost his step a little bit. You got to go back and watch it. And uh, my, my, my older brother, he came home and he said, hey, bro, guess what? He said, I got tickets to the game. And I got, uh, I, got, uh, I, got, I got front row seats, man, down on the court. I may be able to take you to the locker room to meet Michael. I'm getting chills thinking about it, man, because I love Michael Jordan. So whoever your favorite artist or actor or whoever is, just equate that to that, okay? So just go with me somewhere this morning. And so um, he wasn't able to get me into the locker room, but I brought my all-star basketball card of Michael Jordan. And he said, bro, give me your car. I'm going to take it and have him sign it. And, and he signed it, and I saw Michael play, and it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever experienced in my life. Now, they lost the game because he was dribbling the ball at the end, and Nick Anderson crept up behind him and stole the ball, and he fell. And I said, Mike, man, you just got to gotta get better, man. You got to lose a little weight. You got you to gotta put on number 23, not number 45, number 23. And they lost, but it was amazing. And I have that card today, and it's worth thousands of dollars. And no, I don't have the card. My mom has the card. My mom has the card. But it's locked away somewhere, and it was amazing. But one thing I realized is that I wasn't going to be able to get into the game without the ticket. I wasn't going to be able to get into the game without the ticket that my brother gave me. Now, I want to say that today, I have your ticket. I have your ticket to heaven. Not me. I have your ticket. I have your ticket to everything that God has for you. I have your ticket. I have your ticket to the next six months of your life your freedom, your vision, your prosperity, 
your liberty. I have your ticket. And that ticket is Jesus. That ticket is Jesus. It's, it's actually pretty simple. I'm, I'm wearing my teaching hat today, so I'm not going to be doing a lot of hollering and yelling. But I just want to say this. That ticket is Jesus. Whatever you need, it's Jesus. Whatever you long for, it's Jesus. The Bible declares that there is a, a longing within our souls. And that longing was created for Jesus to fill. Money can't fill it. Relationships can't fill it. Drugs and alcohol can't fill it. Sleeping around can't fill it. Success cannot fill it. Your mother can't fill it. Only Jesus can fill it. Only Jesus can fill it. He's the ticket. He's, he's the ticket. I love it because the eunuch is reading about Isaiah. He tells him about Christ who, who was beaten and, and bruised and battered for us, for our sin. And, and he, he proceeds to tell him about the good news of Jesus. Born of a virgin, the only son of God, begotten son of God, lived a sinless life because we, we can't live up to the standard. We talked about this a few weeks ago. There's a standard. Genesis through Deuteronomy, the law of God. There's over 612 laws. Chances are you've broke one of them today. I've broke one of them today. As a matter of fact, if you're wearing two different materials of clothing, like cotton and, and linen and silk, if you're doing that, you need to get out of here, first of all. But if you've done that, you've, <laughs> you've missed the standard. <laughs> Not God's standard, my standard. <laughs> there's, the, there's the door. No, I'm playing, I'm playing. And once again, I'm playing. I'm sorry, I'm loose, man. It's cold outside. I'm kind of afraid to baptize people, to be honest. So I'm trying to take as much time as possible. We should have pulled that pole on the inside of here. Anyway, Romans 5, 1, 2 says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Here it is again, the first step. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Not your works, not your acts of social justice, not protesting Trump, not protesting Obama, not, not proclaiming that one of them are the Antichrist or he's racist and she's racist and so we got to go up here and hold up signs, not, you know, not trying to defund Planned Parenthood. All that stuff is okay. But, but what makes you right with God, the first step to heaven is your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah the one who has died for you. That's the first step. It's the first step for salvation. No, it's the first step, and it's the only step for salvation. But it's the first step in our relations to God. Okay? Let's make some, some difference here. So it's the first step, or the only step, I'm sorry, for salvation. But it's the first step in our relations with God. It's the First step in our relations. We're going to go ahead and read here Acts 8, 36. I'm going to skip my other Romans 5. Don't worry about that. Acts 8, 36 through 38. As they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So Philip shares the good news. This guy believes and he receives. The next step is baptism. The next step is baptism. So I want to I want to kind of uh, talk to you guys aside from my notes in the Bible. Oh. For all of my seasoned uh, believers in here, you, you, our older uh, Christians, we certainly appreciate you being here. But what I've come to find out. Uh, the, the millennial generation, the 18 to about 35, 36-year-old, is that there's a, there's a need to teach. There's, there's a need to, to teach the Scripture. Um, so if you're in here and you've been walking with Christ for some time and, 
you kind of expect me to, to like boost you up because you're going through such a tough time and God certainly wants to do that. But I'm not, I don't feel called here to give you a steroid injection of inspiration. I, th- I think God is calling our generation to get back to the expository teaching of the word of God, verse by verse, the truth of God's word. So that the body of Christ, Ephesians 4, says that so that we could be well equipped to fulfill the calling that God has on us as a church and as individuals. So there's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of Facebook shares out there. There's a lot of bigger churches out there. And they're in that zone right now where they can preach. You can visit their churches and Monday you can step right back into the same problems. Or, or you can really learn today and leave here transformed forever. So let me clarify something because um, I think a lot of us have a misunderstanding on what baptism is and when to be baptized. We see here in scripture, now there are 20 accounts in the book of Acts where you hear about baptism. And each time, each time, read it, each time, each time someone believes in the good news of Jesus Christ, immediately they are baptized. Immediately they get in the water. Each time, immediately, there's no, this, 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 this concept of waiting to be baptized two months and three months and a year is not a biblical concept. They give their hearts to Christ and they get in that water. And we're going to explain what that is. And so we see that here with the eunuch. The good news is preached. He receives, he believes, and he's baptized immediately. 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 Why? Because the next step of baptism is a step of desire. I want to talk about the step of desire here. It's a step of desire. And you got to go ahead and join me here and... Um, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says this. And now you Gentiles, the Ethiopian is a Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. I am a Gentile. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he has promised. Talking about heaven. In other translations, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit God's guaranteed deposit. And it says here that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. God wants to show forth his glory through your life. And the only way he can do that is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me clarify something. Once again, we kind of visited this earlier. Some churches believe that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. That's not true. That's not true. But what's not explicitly stated here in the verse in Acts 8 is that he believed and he was filled. That's not stated in Acts chapter 8. But we can ascertain from Ephesians 1 that when you believe, you receive the guaranteed deposit, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me take time. You have uh, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all serve different functions. God the Father is creative. He's all, he, is, he is the creator. I'm sorry. He is the judge. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at one time. He is the judge. God the Son is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He came to heal, deliver, and set free. And that's what he did. Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read it. God the Savior, God the Son, the only begotten Son of the living God, the God of the universe. Then it's God the Holy Spirit. One thing that our generation doesn't understand is that when you get saved, God makes his residence in your heart. You have the God of the universe in your heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives on the inside of you. That's what you got on the inside of you. That's what you got. And that's why you'll never be fully defeated. That's why when I was 19 years old at FAMU University, 
matter how many girlfriends I had or, or what, ma- girlfriends, plural, or what, or what major I was pursuing, the Bible declared that I was a dead man walking outside of the salvation of Christ. And so I needed to be filled because I was attempting to fill all those voids with things of the world. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see where this world is judged. This is a dying world. So God says, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to send myself to live in your heart. Now, let me build on this some more. It's the reason why for some of you who just recently gave your hearts to Christ, it's the reason why you're developing a different affinity towards things that have nothing to do with the world. You're like, man, I, I need a drink. No, I don't need I need to go read my Bible. Man, I need to go to the club. No, I don't need to go to the club. I need to go hang out with these guys who's pouring into my faith. I need to, I need to, I need to be built up by, by these guys. Man, I need to do this for my birthday. No, you know what? There's a more fun, more clean, more holy, more good way to do this on my birthday. Yeah, yeah, because the spirit, I haven't forgot about the step of desire, because the spirit gives you a different desire. And so the reason why you're saved and you, and you immediately, you want to be baptized is because the spirit of God is leading you to be baptized because baptism is the will of God for your life. Jesus says, John 14 through 16, he says that the spirit of God is, is a comforter. So the world is, oh, my God, but the Spirit of God brings comfort. Jesus said that I give a peace that this world cannot give. There's going to be trouble, but I give a peace that this world can't give. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He didn't give it. He can't give it. He's Jesus. He's God in a bod. He's stuck. But I can give it by depositing the Holy Spirit into your heart. He says that the Holy Spirit, John 15 through 16, somewhere in there, will convict us of sin. So conviction, let me clarify this. I love this. I have all my teaching. Is this good? We can kind of, good, this will work? All right, cool. I can, I can leave the preaching hat behind. So um, come on now. <laughs> That's amazing, man. So let me, let me deal with conviction and condemnation. Now, this is condemnation. You do something wrong and you feel as though you're further from God. You, you make a bad decision. You sin. You, you do it again. You do it again. And you do it again. Condemnation draws you further from God. Conviction will tell you, now you know. Now you know. You shouldn't have spoke to her that way. Now you know you've been late to work. Now you know you should have studied. Now come to me. Receive healing, receive grace, receive forgiveness. I'm going to give you what you need to get back on track. That's conviction. That's conviction. So whenever you feel as though you're being pushed further away from God or, or God is mad with you or God is upset with you, 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 you that is, a, that is a, a key component of the enemy at work in your life. Now, conviction, the spirit leads you further to God. Now, uh, desire. I love it because Jesus said that um, the spirit will guide you in all truth. He will guide you in all truth. And it also says in the Bible that the spirit of God seeketh the deeper things of God. What I want to say is this, is that it is, it's okay to... Now, it's not a heaven or hell thing if you don't read your Bible, okay, every day for an hour a day. But what I will say is that something is wrong if you feel as though it's okay to go for too long without reading your scripture. The danger in that is this, is that the Holy Spirit, how did we go from, well, I will talk about that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force you to do anything. But he will say, forgive that person. Read your 
read your Bible. Save some money. Pay off your debt. Have to talk with your spouse. Put the bottle down. Stop sleeping with that man or that woman that's not your husband. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. I can prove it to you in the Old Testament. I had a prophet in the Old Testament. I think it was Elijah. And he was, he was distraught. He was in a down season. And the Bible says an earthquake happened. And a strong wind happened. And a fire happened. And the Bible says that God was not in either of those. Because we're always looking for God to perform something that he's already given us on the inside of our hearts. And so the Bible says a still small voice came to Elijah, and that was God. He's a gentleman. The desire will always guide you to the prosperity and the abundance of God. Baptism is a step of desire. It's also a step of obedience. It's a step of obedience. Well, pastor, you know, I gave my life to Christ two years ago, a month ago, and, you know, I didn't get baptized that next time. What do you mean? I understand. It takes time. You, you want to get baptized with your church, right? They, the next time they, they're baptizing people is in three months, right? You got to sign up for that. Well, you know, within those three months, I haven't been really walking with God. has nothing to do with that. has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with are you going to obey? The word obey is, is weird for our generation. The word obey actually just means to follow. It, it just means to follow. So it's a step of obedience. Here it is here. Um, and we understand that through Philip preaching the, the good news, that Philip would have taught the eunuch that Jesus commanded his followers to be baptized. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, right before Jesus goes to heaven. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What's one of the commands? To baptize. Obey the command to be baptized. Okay? And so, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptism is a follow-through action step. And so if I tell Jaziel, hey, go clean, go, go clean your room, go pick up your, your clothes, he's not going to say, you know what, Dad, let me just pray about that. Let me pray if that so be the Father's will. Boy, it is the Father's will. If you don't get up and... You don't have to pray to obey. Do I, man, do I get baptized? And I think, I think the gray area right there with baptism is, is that we put so much weight on it. It's as if once I get baptized, once I come out of the water, I have to be perfect. It all has to change when I get baptized. That is bad theology. You were changed when you gave your heart to Jesus. Baptism is just a step. Can I help you out? Baptism is just a step. God is not in the waters. Nothing is in the water giving you extra power. Why? Because you're going to get baptized. You're going to commit the same sin you've been struggling with a month later. And you're going to, what happened, man? The water is just, the water didn't work. You've been taught wrong. It's a, it's a step. Right? That's all. Is this good? Is this good? All right. It's a step. And it represents your new reality. Point number three. So those step of obedience and step of desire was within point two. Point three. It represents your new reality. It's a, it's a picture or a symbol. Like, well, I got a tattoo wedding band. This is my original band. This is... This was my, my band that I wore on my ring finger before I got married. It's, it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.4. Five, uh, Within it, it says purity. So I committed for years to wait on my wife 
And uh, it wasn't easy, but hallelujah. <laughs> it wasn't easy. But uh, yeah. And so th- th- this band is a symbol or a picture or it represents my new reality as a husband. The word is covenant. Covenant means pact. It means that I am with Kyra until the day that I die. Baptism is a symbol or it's a picture that you're with Jesus until the day that you die. And until the day that you die. Now, keeping this in mind, your last day on earth is your first day in heaven. So you, you never die, praise God. You never die. And so we go ahead and we, we're going to say it here. Um, Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. For we died and were buried. So the word baptism is baptizo in the Greek. It means to be immersed or to go under. So the water out here, the cold water, hopefully it's not too cold. Hopefully we're warming it up for him. The water represents the grave. Okay? When you go down, it represents the fact that the old you who was laden in sin without Christ, the dead you without Christ has passed away. And it represents the new you who has raised to new life and true life in Jesus Christ. It's a symbol. It's a representation of the new you, the new reality. When you gave your heart to Christ. Now, this is the problem. Right now, I'm teaching this, and this is the point I start preaching. The problem is, is this. For some of us Christians who have been with Jesus for a while, we don't feel new. We don't feel new. Well, let me encourage you. You are new. You're not who you used to be. You don't have the same struggles you used to have. You may own them, but they're not yours. You don't have the same addictions you used to have. You may own them, but they're not yours. Because Christ defeated sin, and he defeated death, and he defeated the power of sin in the grave. He defeated it all. He defeated stress, oppression. He defeated it all. Suicidal thoughts. He defeated it all. It all. And you are new. You are new. You're called. You're equipped. You're chosen. The Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Praise God. And so it says here, um, the old you has died to sin and the new you is raised to true life in Jesus. Child of God. So I, want, I need to institute this here because, um, you know, I know like a lot of us have like different backgrounds, different denominations. Uh, and some of us have been taught that it's Jesus and baptism. All right. Now, I think you're dealing with semantics here because you're going to throw a, some, some of you Bible heads are going to throw a scripture at me. In order to be saved, you must be baptized in and believe in Christ. Um, it's something, I think it's Romans 9, 4, somewhere around there. Well, what, what you're not telling the people that you're talking to, and probably what you don't understand is, is that Paul is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? Because in, when Jesus rose and, and, and he went to heaven, he taught the disciples, John 14 through 16, that I am sending the Holy Spirit. So I have to die in order to multiply. In order for my will to be done in the world, I have to die. Because as long as I'm stuck in this flesh suit, I can't fulfill my purpose. So he dies and he sends the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit a gift. I can't wait to do this series entitled Power next year. It's going to be five weeks about the Holy Spirit. And so um, he sends the Holy Spirit, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What happens? The Spirit goes under. He comes from heaven, and he immerses himself in your heart. So whenever you have that question about that verse, I forget where it's at, but doesn't it say you got to believe in Jesus and be baptized? Most people are referring to water baptism. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because why? Here, we're going to round it back around. He is the guaranteed deposit of the inheritance that God has promised you, which is heaven. So you do need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but not water baptized in order to receive salvation. 
Why am I saying this? Because when you believe in Jesus, simultaneously, you receive God in your heart. So you are saved and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do we just clarify that? Does that help? Because it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. Now, that's what makes you a new you. Last point here. Baptism is a public declaration and celebration. Baptism is a public declaration and celebration. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, y'all know when I got married, I didn't keep it private. We didn't elope to Vegas. We didn't go down to the courthouse. Everyone had to know. Everyone had to know. Because something had happened in my heart when I, got, when I proposed to Kyron, when I got married. Um, I couldn't keep it private. You know, we had to make it a celebration. It had to be pretty. It had to be beautiful. Thank God. Hey, give it up for my mother-in-law. She is in the church this morning. Her beautiful self. She's actually my wife's older sister, but like only a day older. So she is, she's amazing. Couldn't keep it private. I want to say this, that baptism is an external demonstration that an internal transformation has occurred. So it's an external demonstration that an internal transformation has occurred. And so Jesus goes on and he says back in Matthew 28, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why does he make this distinction? Because back in Jesus' time, you had many different baptisms. Uh, baptism was not foreign to the Jewish culture. And so if you read the Bible, you see where John's disciples would say, uh, I've been baptized with the baptism of John. And so whenever you said, I've been baptized with the baptism of this person, you were in essence saying, I believe in the teachings of this individual. So Jesus said that, um, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. In essence, what you're saying is that I identify with the teachings of Jesus. And it's funny because John's baptism pointed to the baptism of Jesus. He went on to say this. He said, I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire. He said, as a matter of fact, I am unworthy to unlace his shoes. So I'm making a way for Christ. And so uh, it's a public declaration and celebration. So whenever you, you see that someone's being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's because we're affirming the fact that this individual is identifying with the gospel and the teachings of Jesus Christ in this Bible. Okay. It's a public declaration. It's a public, well, what if I gave my life to Jesus years ago and I haven't been baptized? We're going to ask, answer a few questions here in the next five minutes. Get baptized today. It's okay. I don't, I haven't really been, I believe in him, but I haven't been walking with him. Get baptized today. Get in that water today. What if I was baptized as a child? And I, I want to give my heart to Christ again. Like, do I have to get baptized again? I want to encourage you here. If you gave your heart to Christ as a child, and you're questioning whether you should get baptized in the present, chances are you need to be baptized in the present. I would say this. I would say this. Here at Highlight, I'm, I'm still praying through some things. Um, we're going to baptize my son today. He's eight years old, but he, he's been asking me for two years, Dad, I want to get baptized. And so I've been walking with him through the theological process. So there's a reason why a lot of churches wait until the age of 12. It's primarily for, for understanding. This is why you see Jesus in the temple at the age of 12. He's debating the lawyers, of uh, the, the professors of the law because he's able to hold his own. In, in, in Jewish culture back in Jesus' time, uh, they would have uh, addressed by the age of 12 the oral Torah. So they would have known the first five books of the scripture by heart and the written Torah. 
So you could have put a pin between Genesis and Deuteronomy, pulled that pin out, and and an 11-year-old boy or girl would have been able to tell you what was missing out of those 1,000 pages, each page. They knew it like the back of their hand. Now, the reason why most churches wait until your kid is 12 is not because we don't like your kid, right? But it's because by the age of 12, we believe that they understand the weight of the decision that they're making. It's not to say that they're going to be perfect, but they understand. So I, I say this. If you were baptized as a child and uh, you, you want to come back to Christ or rededicate your life to Christ and you're questioning whether or not you should be baptized, I'd say take that step because this is a more conscience decision. What if I was dedicated as a baby? Well, that's amazing. I'm sure you had on your all white and uh, you had on your, your thing on your head, represented purity. You were pure, but you were a sinner. And you did not have the ability to make Jesus the Lord of your life when you were a baby. Um, and that, that goes into a more grayer, deeper theology. But what I will say is, is that when your parents dedicated you to the Lord, it was their hope and their prayer that as an adult, you would make Jesus the Lord of your life and your heart. So what I would say that today, if you were going to be baptized today or give your heart to Jesus today, you would be bringing that prayer full circle. And that is the greatest blessing that any parent could have. So you, you've just, you, you represent God's faithfulness in this moment. And I want to, I addressed this earlier, but some are, are will question, is baptism a requirement for salvation? No, not water baptism. We've been taught that you have to be confirmed and you need a priest and you have to fast this amount of times and it's only by God's mercy. No, that's it's not true. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So in the Old Testament, whenever someone, whenever the community sinned, there was the day of atonement. It's once... Once a year, the children of Israel had to present lambs to God, and the priest himself who stood before the people of of God and God had to bring a lamb for himself, and they had to slit that lamb's throat and had to bleed because the Bible says that life is in the blood. So because sin produces death, something has to die when someone sins, okay? So the Day of Atonement, the only problem with the Day of Atonement was that it, it was a substitution for our sin, but sacrifices did not have the power to clear our conscience of our past. Only the Spirit of God and Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can save you from your sin. Only he can save you from your brokenness and then give you the power to have a clear conscience and walk forward in the future. Not the blood of bulls and goats. So, nor can baptism save you. It's only by faith. So, it is my prayer that, I know we have about seven or eight people we're going to baptize today. But I've been speaking, and hopefully it's been the Lord that's been backing me up. I want to issue out an encouraging challenge in the form of encouragement. Um, If you've never been baptized, but you're a believer, I want to say that today may be your day. Um, We're not just going to baptize our seven or eight wonderful people that we're going to baptize today, but I want to give you the opportunity to be baptized if you've never been baptized, keeping in mind that it's just a step of obedience. Well, pastor, I wasn't ready for this. It's 50 degrees outside, and I didn't bring a change of clothes. Well, don't worry about it few items for you. Got some um, flip-flops. Got you a black t-shirt. Don't want you to display all your glory. And uh, this is a woman's bag, so I won't go that far. But uh, we got some shorts and some other stuff to help you out. We have everything you need today if you want to take that step. 
Maybe your family is here. Maybe you're here with a friend and you've never been baptized. But I would say don't allow this opportunity to pass by. Don't put it off another day. Identify with Jesus today. And I would say this. We said that there wasn't power in the water, but let me, let me back up a little bit. I'll say this. I'll say that when you are baptized, I believe you become more conscious of the faith decision that you've made. So maybe today can be a brand new start for you. Even though you are saved spiritually, and that's the truth, maybe today can be a brand new start. All right. I need, uh, I know, just come on. Good. I want to go ahead and pray for us. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. And then we're going to transition. Thank you all for listening to me. Could, you, could we give God a praise if that was a good one? Praise God. Yep. Now, what I want to do, don't be afraid. Everyone being baptized, join me right here in the front. Right here in the front. I want to, I want to pray over you. Come on now, let's celebrate. Wow. Whoa. It's beautiful. High five. Uh. Awesome. All right. The kids aren't the only ones to have fun. Let's get some high fives from the adults. So amazing. So amazing. Yes. Don't forget me now, buddy. It's my football buddy right here. Hey, I want to pray with you and over you, okay? So just bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Father, uh, we praise you, God, for your children here this morning. Lord, I pray that even today you would bless them, God, that you would touch them. Lord, I pray that your love would fill their hearts. Lord, I thank you for the spirit that lives on the inside of them, Jesus. God, I pray that you would meet them in those waters today. I pray that all their worries would be laid at your feet, all of their burdens, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would renew them this morning. Jesus, I thank you for these men and women of God. I thank you for the plans that you have for their lives. God, I thank you that they are new. The old is gone and the new has come. God, I thank you that the old them has died and the new them who has true life in Jesus has risen. And Lord, I know that you have only just begun what you're going to do in their lives, Jesus. And I ask that you would continue to walk with them, continue to guide them, give them the grace to grow, give them the power to sustain. Lord, I ask that you would increase everything in their lives. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.